talking about this my wonderful dear loveliest person in the world my good friend forever Ahmed Hassan Ahmed. Woo. Hey. Woo. that was pretty oh. big Julianne I know what she say something used... about loving me forever yes <laughs> <laughs> you're it's the been best a while. yeah thank you sweetheart so tell Aww. us why you are here today I mean besides being the love of Julianne's life in a friend way, of course. Yes. Okay, wait. Can I just... Yes. We might want to back all this up and redo it because your lovely lady might be like, what? No, it's all good. Are you sure? She already knows. I informed her. How could I not tell I her about Julianne, who was the love of my life since I was 17 years old, but we figured out how to turn that into just a great friendship. I've already explained Aww. it. Okay, okay. I didn't Boy, know said, this. Julianne, that's how you have thing. mature relationships. You got to just tell them from the beginning. <laughs> that's what, you know what? I was telling my sister yesterday, we were on the phone after talking to you, and how wonderful you are. You're very mature in the way that you handle relationships with your kids. Like, what happened yesterday? Can you talk about that? Um, with your daughter coming in and how you handled... Well, let's oh, do, the day let's, before. Can we just do a yeah. quick intro, too? Because I want people to know who this guy is that they might recognize his voice format his, format his face format is that it is that what we call it yeah yeah so my name is ahmed hassan at least that's how i pronounce it i'm best known as the original host and co-creator of yard crashers on hgtv and diy network yay i never get away from that title <laughs> but really yeah just a professional landscaper who happened to develop a television show for HG and DIY network. And um, other than that, I'm a landscape professional and I'm a dad and I'm 46 years old and I'm what you call a light-skinned black man who lives in America, who's not Arabic, but has an Arabic name and it's a long story, it involves a lot of people and yeah, there we're gonna go. get into some of that today, I think. I love it. Yes. And he's sitting. I'm so excited. He's sitting outside in his beautiful backyard. There's a gorgeous tree, of course. And oh, Joel, this is the front yard. Oh, this is the front yard. Oh, my. This is the front yard. Wow. So I have a little court that I live in. Oh. And then my house is a nursery. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I have plants everywhere because I sell plants. Of course. For a living so that I can pay for this property yes. that I call home. <laughs> and I see vehicles. And... At the front yard. Yeah. yeah the backyard is, is blasted with the uh, rising sun this morning. Aww. And I was out there taking a hot tub bath this morning, drinking coffee. Aww, nice. <clears throat> One of my favorite what a day. Um, Where do you live exactly? I live in Cameron Park, California, which is uh, 30 minutes east of Sacramento. So I live in the Sierra foothills, sort of the beginning of the foothills, below Placerville, above Sacramento. I've been there. Yeah. It is a beautiful rolling hilled area. It's gorgeous. Clean air, clean fresh water, and 
you only get snow maybe every five years you get two weeks of snow on the ground and what made you choose there because you're a bay area guy you've always i am a bay area guy and i still run Mm -hmm. back and forth to the bay area very regularly um Mm -hmm. cameron park was the last place i could afford to have a house on the hill with a view (laughs) and And you grabbed it yeah and i'll bet you couldn't afford it now probably right growing up primarily in the east bay i always loved the oakland hills and the berkeley hills and i just loved that picturesque view on top of the hill looking out at the bay and when i finally got to the age of where i could buy a home i realized i'm of age but i have no money to buy a home here in the bay area and so my first house was in Hayward, where we did not have a view. You live in a giant intersection. Mm. Yes. And then my second house was in Antioch. So I was playing that Wagons East game, how everyone in the Bay Area does. You just move a little east and you work west. And then we were shooting yard crashers primarily in and around Sacramento. So I moved to Sacramento. And once you get out that far, you're never going back to the Bay Area. So then when I was ready to buy an Arden Park, I realized I couldn't afford Arden Park. So I moved to the more affordable Cameron Park. <laughs> here I stay. And here he is. <laughs> and that's how it happened. Because now if I leave, I couldn't afford to move back into my own home. Right. This is true. I know. This is most people's issue. California, exactly. especially right now. Yeah. yeah. So with the yard crash, how, what was your progression of... How did you decide to be a landscaper and how did yard crashers find you and how did you create that? I don't even think I decided to be a landscaper. I think landscaping is something that um, I'm a second generation landscaper. So my dad was a landscaper, um, got his start in San Quentin Penitentiary in their landscaping program, uh, became a Muslim while he was in there, got out and ran a landscaping business. So I, I grew up around my father who was a landscaper and and who evolved into earth moving equipment and construction. And so I grew up thinking, you know, sort of the old adage of you do what your dad did, if you like what your dad did. And I thought what my dad did was fabulous, working with earth moving equipment and creating spaces outside. So my job was to just outdo that, meaning to- Can you talk about what he did to get into prison? Cause I know that that'll be a question everyone's thinking about. (laughs) Just human nature. So were you, Joel? So kind of. <laughs> you want to know how many people he killed? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't for that. No, my dad um, grew up. My dad was born in '43, so he grew up at a very different time, especially with black folks in America. And in the '60s, '50s, and '60s, he was running around being a badass, and I think. The straw that broke the camel's back was he had strong-armed robbery for the Michelin Tire Company in Oakland. (laughs) And so I think there were guns drawn and police cars riding around. And ultimately, he ended up in prison because he had already had this crazy rap sheet from being a youth growing up in San Francisco, getting into trouble. And my dad got sentenced at a time. Back in the day, what they used to do is they would always give you so many years to life. Wow. So even if you only got like two years, it was like two years to life. It was five years to life. So he got sentenced five years to life, served six years, got out, never went back to prison, uh, was a devout Muslim uh, in the, through the Nation of Islam, which is why I have a Muslim name. Mm-hmm. And, and he discovered that in prison? Yeah. You weren't raised with that, right? Like a, lot, yeah. like a lot of black men discovered the Nation of Islam in prison, especially around the 60s. 
That was so, Black Panther. and Absolutely. It was the whole Black Power movement. It was for those Black folks that got tired of being obliterated and slapped in the face and, you know, shot down with water hoses in the street and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was sort of a, a revolt. Yes. And my dad was a proud Black man. And so I grew mm-hmm. up around that, which is why I have a lot of the energy I have. because It was mm-hmm. what I saw. Mm-hmm. I just decided I wasn't going to go into the nation of Islam. I already have an Arabic name and I'm a black man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There it is. Uh-huh. And you've never been a righteous preacher of anything. You've just been all about love and yeah. you wanted to. I grew up seeing a lot of that from different perspectives, whether it was the nation of Islam or Christianity and then found out about Buddhism and religious science and science of mind. And so I kind of, appreciate all walks of life and all spiritual aspects of all religions. Because your mom your mom is pretty born again, right? Or yeah, oh, I'm she, sorry, what does she choose? She's Christian right now, but my mom has she was sort of the searcher and the seeker of all religions. Um she did what you did on a much larger level. Like my mom's had fourteen different name combinations due <laughs> to whatever faith she was in and or whatever marriage she was in. But she's Christian. And um, mm-hmm. I don't really claim any religion except religious science, and I respect mm-hmm. all of them. I'm like, what yeah. works for you? Great. Yeah. Work that. Right. <laughs> and you've always been like that. Can I tell you, ever since I've known you from a little wee twink 14-year-old or however, when did we meet each other? I think I'm 46. You're what, 44, 45? Yep, 44. I think you were, okay, so you were 14. I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. we met each other quite some time ago. Okay. And what did you think about what you yeah. told me this last night? And I don't think I knew this. Wait, I don't know how <laughs> you guys met. What's the story? All right. So your sister was a pothead and I was a pothead and we were both teenagers. Who I was a pothead. <laughs> I almost spit up my coffee. Um, At 420 uh, yesterday. No, so. wait. <laughs> I really wasn't a pothead though. No, I mean, she wasn't I didn't really a pothead. I was a pothead. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And she was a little kind of a little hippie chick so she was just into hanging out with folks and having fun and I was into doing the same thing but I always had a joint in my mouth and um yeah I was like 16 years old and I worked in Walnut Creek and La Petite Boulangerie right or what was it called it was it was the it wasn't no it was um it wasn't Bourdain's it was Boudin's Bakery yeah they sell the sourdough bread they, they had sourdough bowls, and it was a part of Nordstrom's Mall yeah. in uh, Walnut Creek. And oh. so some of the folks down there that I worked with knew Julianne, and so I met this tall Amazonian brunette. Of course, she was 14 at the time, but she was taller than me still. And, um, <laughs> and I don't know. I was like, she's great. She had great energy, and we would hang out. And, uh, yeah, I think I was like 16 at the time. So then what mm-hmm. happened was within a month maybe of meeting your sister might have been a week i don't know i got busted for selling weed and <laughs> the feds came in it wasn't really oh. it was like walnut creek pd who came in like six cops came and arrested me in boudin's bank uncle mark yeah we have an uncle. And, I was, and i was like extremely paranoid because i was like what the hell man like they treated me like i was some big time drug dealer because i used to sell grams of brown weed like, you can't give away brown weed today. You should be arrested yeah. if you're selling brown weed. Today. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and um, Mexican dirt weed. They came, they came and arrested me, and I got in all this trouble. It was like the first time I had ever gotten into trouble. I got a felony on my record to this day Whoa. for selling marijuana. And my claim to fame was that I could sell an ounce in grams on a daily basis because I knew that many people. I would just, I was always very social. So immediately I was like, Julianne is a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. She's a cop because I met her and all of a sudden I'm in trouble. She's an informant, a 14-year-old oh. informant. <laughs> oh. Now, oh, on the record, Weens, is this true? Are you a narc? Not a narc. <laughs> so, In fact, though, okay, sorry, keep with your here's, story. Here's what was hilarious. I liked her, but I was like, I don't trust her. Oh, but she's a cop. But story she's so of my cool. life. But I've met her mom. <laughs> That's what marijuana will do to you. You will be extremely paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but I, like I went on for eye. years until I finally realized I was paranoid and we were friends. And 30 something years later, we're still friends. <laughs> and I still think you're the best person. You've always had the most integrity. You're my favorite person. I just love you. And you've done Spoken so well. like for a true narcotics officer. <laughs> And I'd like to tell you that you're going back to prison. Okay, everybody, get in there. Get in. <laughs> Grab them. Oh, okay, so let's go back to the yard crashers. Yeah. Okay, so you were, you're at the point where, where were we? That you decided because your dad was in landscaping that you followed suit. Oh, so, so oh, it's kind of interesting. So when I got in trouble for selling pot, I was in high school. And I was like in the 11th grade. And I realized, oh, yeah, Ahmed, you're doing swell. Let's see. You're a black man who lives in America who now has a felony, and you're not graduating high school. Good job, kid. You're going <laughs> So I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Because I grew up in a family that didn't have anybody who was going to college, um, didn't even have high school graduates for the most part. And I was like, yeah, you're screwed. You better figure out something. Maybe you better work for yourself well, what are you going to do working for yourself? And I thought, well, what do I know how to do? Um, I know how to do yard work. Um, I know a little bit about painting, but the last woman I painted her house, yeah, she kind of complained a lot because I didn't do certain details right. Uh, yeah, I think I'll be a landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, like, that was my idea since I was, like, 17 years old. And what it was is landscaping and gardening was my hustle. Hello, it's still my hustle. <laughs> I just, I just had to uh, up my game a little bit, which means I need to take classes. I had to get a higher education in horticulture, which is what I did. And I've literally spun my hobby, my livelihood, my hustle into a career. So now I am a licensed landscape contractor. <laughs> and look at his shirt. You even have your official shirt. What does it say? I do. I wore my official shirt because I'm plugging myself. Good. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Ahmed, well, say it. Ahmed Hassan Landscape. I can't read it. Ahmed Hassan Landscape Services. Landscaping Services. Landscape Services. Yeah. A-H-L-S. Good. Boom. Ahmed Hassan Landscape Services, nice. everybody. So that's how people find me. Ahmed Hassan Landscape Services. If you look me up online and you spell my name, A-H-M-A-D, which is the correct spelling, or you spell it the way we spelled it on TV, A-H-M-E-D, and you put the word landscape behind it, you'll find me. Yeah, yeah. Just look for the very handsome 
handsome man with currently with a beard. Sometimes he doesn't have a beard. I did some research. I looked up your pictures. The, the beard is now staying. So a lot of my like shows it. on on H HGTV wasn't fond of facial hair. Oh. Like if you had like very faint scruff, you could have that. And you notice that's where the most of my white hairs are. I like it. This makes you very refined. Very yeah. But yeah, these days I pretty much sport a beard unless I get really bored, then I shave it all off and I'm Mr. Buttface for a while. <laughs> so how did you go from being your, you know, educating yourself on horticulture to a TV show? To hosting a TV show? Yeah. I am in love with landscaping and horticulture and I talk a lot. Remember how I said I used to be able to sell an ounce of weed <laughs> per day in gram bags? You can only do that if you're very social. <laughs> yes. So um, Social and fun. And you have the energy that everybody thought you were hilarious and still do. So. That's what you have to have. You have we to have to be all of that. You. And then you could host your own TV show. So yeah. um, I was taking classes with a gal and she was a designer and she started moonlighting and doing little design work for Curb Appeal and for a show called Landscape Smart. And Landscape Smart was where I got my start. So um, you had to, the, the premise of the show was you had to come up with some wonderful landscaping ideas and they had to be smart, they had to be clever. And I thought that was the greatest thing ever. So I would come up with clever ideas and producers were like, we love it, you should host shows. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. All your hosts are white guys who wear tight jeans and makeup. Little did <laughs> yes. we know that I'll make wear tight jeans and makeup. So <gasps> I did. And I became a host. <laughs> so that was one of my questions. I still girl. wear tight jeans. I just don't wear oh! makeup. <laughs> that was one of my questions. Did you ever have a casting couch moment? Actually, we asked some of our listeners for questions. And I think, who asked that one? Yeah, the girls at, um, we'll do a nice little plug for our friends at the Nerdy Bitches podcast. They are. The Nerdy Bitches. Yeah, they're, they're two girls. And they talk about anything and everything, video games, movies. They're really cute, and um, they're getting lots of followers and buzz, so they're great. But they, awesome. they wanted to know, yeah, did you ever have any uh, casting couch moments or Me Too moments, and why are landscapers so hot? That This was the general line of questioning. <laughs> why are landscapers so hot? <laughs> because we work. You yes. know, it's funny because I have a decent physique for a 46-year-old man, and I don't go to the gym, but I move boulders regularly. I wheel wheelbarrows regularly. I shovel and pick regularly and I do it with proper body mechanics. You know, I took yoga classes for a few years and I learned all the proper body mechanics and breathing techniques and I like to feel good. Very so good. um And I have never seen you sitting, by the way, for long. You'll sit yeah, and this eat is hard and that's for me. It. But yeah. I knew we were doing Zoom. So if I get up and I move all over the place. You yeah, could lead us in me. some jumping jacks if you want. I mean we're we're open. Oh. Too cold too. What I do to warm up is um I have recycled water tanks at my house and I'm I just barely have a little bit more water left from the rain season and I fill them up with cans and I'm running around my house my yard watering all my plants. Nice. Because I'm gonna leave tonight and go stay with my lovely sweetheart in Hercules, California. Oh, April. Yeah. So I get to see I April. I gotta meet her for great things. I gotta water all my plants because I'll be gone for like. 30 hours or so. This is a, a thing for the those of us who like plants and gardens. And I got Weens up running on a drip system for her backyard so that she can oh, go on vacation and enjoy herself without worrying about her plants because it's a real exactly. thing. It's scary. 
Good for you. And yeah, you I are. Even, I don't even have drip irrigation for my nursery. I literally have to pay either my 15 year old or there's a 15 year old kid down the street. And I pay them like $12 an hour to stand around with a water hose. Wow. And I told him, I was like, you cannot stand on your, with the water hose and your phone because you will be wasting my water. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I know because I can't do it either. It's, it's a resource. Wow. And you're super green. You're all about this uh, green landscaping and, and living, I am right? as green as I can be without being a purist. But I, I'm kind of a freak at home. Like April puts up with a very interesting man that she gets to call her lover because um, I'm weird. Like, here's, here's, here's my latest weird thing. And I'll just share with you guys. And then I'm not going to tell you everything. But so I finally restarted my hot tub. I have a wooden hot tub in my backyard. And it's been down and out for like five months. And it was the cold season. So I was like, nobody wants to be out there anyways. And I didn't have time to fix the hot tub. Because if you have a wooden hot tub, I have a snorkel tub, you have to drain it. You have to dry it completely out, which means you have to tarp it in the wet season or good luck with that. So finally, when it got warm, I had it all dried out. You open it up. You have to loosen up the hoops on it. You have to knock in all the staves with a mallet. You have to tighten up all the hoops. You have to fill it with water. And then you have to hope like hell that it swells up and it makes itself waterproof all over again. So I filled it up two days ago. And then yesterday I ran the hose at like less than a quarter percent running constantly in it because I could still see it and hear the leaks coming out of it. So I'm sort of putting water into it and water's dripping out of it and I'm wasting water and I recycle as much as I can. And it was killing me to waste water. So for the last two days, I've been bathing in my hot tub. <laughs> so you oh, don't waste it. Because that's I'm why gonna, I keep calling. And I'm not going to go inside the house and then turn on the shower. I'm like, I'm wasting water out here. It's at 102 degrees. Just dip into the hot tub. Good you for know, you. You just don't use soap. I'm running chlorinated water from my hose into there. I'm throwing chlorine tabs in here. And so I'm bathing in the hot tub. But this morning, because I knew I was doing a Zoom call, I shaved and then I jumped into the actual shower. And you know, wow, thank you. Put some yeah. Dr. Bronner's on to get all fresh for you guys. <laughs> thank you. We could smell you from yeah, here. Yeah, we rank. Like, wow, yeah. I like that. But yeah, I compost like crazy. Um, I catch all my gray water. I dump it onto my compost pile. I recycle wherever I can, whenever I can. And I have about a thousand gallons of water that I'm able to recycle from rainwater up here. And then I have to cart it by hand or run hoses downhill and water my plants. That's awesome. Yay. Yeah. All right. Can I bring you guys back to yes. what we were? Because I have my brain on a trajectory. Yes. A trajectory. So, yes. Dr. Amen, when we were discussing, oh, yeah, how does how do you get to the point where you're a landscaper and then you get on television? What happened? Someone came up. They said, you've got the Oh, no, you're just you in want. horticulture class and TV producers come over there. And they look <laughs> yeah. Just take classes. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's how. So... I'm taking all these classes in horticulture always at night because I'm always working during the daytime. Like I'm literally learning information at night. The next day I'm regurgitating that information to my clients and my clients are like, wow, he's a wizard. I'm like, yep. And here's my bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I, I'm working with, and I'm taking classes. I mean, with designers, with installers, with different folks who do different things all in landscaping and horticulture. And one of my designer gal friends was, um, she was moonlighting for 
HGTV shows. And she was getting paid as the designer. And she told me, she's like, you know, they're always looking for good looking young people who have great ideas. I'm thinking I'm a good looking young person and I think I have great ideas. And so I got the number of the production company and I pitched them an idea to redo this fabulous landscape that happened to be in my backyard with me and my wife <laughs> at my first home. And um, they're like, well, you know, you can't really do it at your own house, but could you, could your wife be like the homeowner? I'm like, sure. I don't know who that attractive white woman is. She's just the homeowner. <laughs> and um, so my first show was we pitched it and my wife at the time, Tiffany, who Julianne knows, um, Tiffany was the homeowner. I was the contractor and I faked the whole thing like Hollywood fakes it, meaning I really led the landscape and I directed the landscape, but I had to look like I was a builder. So I just put on my buddy's nail bags. I made him, who was the actual builder, look like he was my laborer. And we all just faked it for television and it worked. That never happened. You <laughs> faked it. And then, and then the rest of my television career was similar to that in the sense that it's not faking it like completely faking it. It's like faking it like improvising a little bit more. So you have to pretend like you're doing a little bit more and you know a little bit more than you actually do until you actually arrive there and you do know it because you learned it during that project. Right. And that's what Sounds a lot like of life. my television career was. Totally. Wow. So, how, so I was watching the format of uh, Yard Crashers. So you would kind of go and scope out people at home improvement stores places like that or did people yeah. come to you or what was the how did you we were find always your going people? out yeah we were always going out to the home improvement stores uh in northern and southern california it was primarily lowe's um because lowe's was kind enough to turn off their music when we were in the store and mm -hmm. home depot was like no you need to come after hours and bring oh, in your okay. extras and we're like we don't have that kind of budget <laughs> so um yeah it was by the time we got to yard crashers because my first television show was actually a little gardening show called the dirt on dot 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 like that was the title of my show i had an ellipsis in the title and Aww. um it was a gardening show and it was really horticultural information gardening information and it was great but that was a show more geared towards women because that's who was watching hgtv and diy network at the time and they and the don't have like, those kind of shows much anymore. Now it's all like houses and homes. And I love the gardening stuff. I used to go for that. The, so The gardening shows, the problem with them, and the reason that they don't exist, is that, one, the gardening industry is very regional. It's regionalized. So, like, your gardening stores in your area and your garden supply centers, they don't have money for television ad space. So they're like, yeah, we'd love to be on, but no, we're not going to pay you for ad sales and marketing where the real estate industry will pay for ad sales and marketing because it's a huge industry it has more money and it's nationwide sure okay. all the regional based gardening elements can't afford television so therefore they're not on tv because that's really where the, the ad dollars come from as much as the world would like to think that tv is just about entertainment it's really about ad sales and marketing it is bottom so, line if when someone figures that out, maybe I'll get to have a show on television again. But until then, there's just there's no money in it. Yeah. And I demand quite a bit of money for me to like drop my life and go be on TV every day. You know? Well, and I want to talk to you about that part, and I want to bring it back. You got some to money for so... me for TV? <laughs> I know. Here we are That's on a free podcast. We gotta, let's start a show. <laughs> I know. Okay, so.
when you're doing so the yard crasher show what was the style of that you would go to Lowe's and you would find someone that had bags of stuff and it looked like they were going home I would just have to be Ahmed and my job was to talk to everybody and I had producers with me and producers are like pitch to them we're gonna go home with them they look great they would be great on TV so and it I'm was, like it was I think real. they suck they now really I'm were... prove that they suck watch this <laughs> is it true they really were um, strangers then they weren't set up it was it was a mix Okay. So really, my job was to talk to everyone, and typically the producers would set me up, and they would have a ringer in there, or a few ringers in there, but the ringers weren't guaranteed to be able to get their yard done. It was really whoever was the best that day on camera, and a lot of times it was the ringers, and sometimes it wasn't. But and the ringers, ringers are people that they found where Ringers before. are kind of like sent over to the store. There's somebody who got the inside skinny that we were going to be there. Um, a lot of times we would do someone's yard and so producers would call them and say, Hey, we're going to be at the store again. If you have any cool friends like yourself, you know, good looking yeah. young people who can talk on camera would be great. Send them over yeah. to the store. So it doesn't mean they're going to get chosen, but the producers always want to make sure that there were plenty of people to choose from. So they want to, which being on the other side of television, I understand this because you don't want a, a dead fish i don't know what else other term to use but right. you don't want a real milky person on camera right yeah that, but here's the thing <laughs> i i i do want that on camera because that person is hilarious because that's going to give me something to play off of so i always preferred oh the sun's coming out i always preferred real life folks and i couldn't stand the ringers but the bottom line mm -hmm. was it was my job to really figure out who are you and why should you be the one mm -hmm. I think I'm going to move. Yeah, there okay. we go. We're going for a walk. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Actually, Woo, that that come out great. in a second. But there, he's well lit. So that's wow. what happens. The sun comes up over my house in the morning. Um, it's really bright. But that was Your a good spot. Your house is beautiful. I love it. He's really high up on a hill, too. Over there. I like it. Behind him, you will see there's a ravine, right? Cool. Yeah. Isn't it? Cameron Park is pretty cool. I'm up on top of the hill. My front yard faces the Sacramento Valley, but there's all these trees in the way. And then the backyard looks out towards Tahoe and the Sierras. Pretty. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. Okay, so now you're doing your television show. And so now, are you loving it? Are you feeling like, did you get an ego? Are you kind of cocky? Hell are you yeah. Women? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, television helps you to be a little more pompous i mean you have people coming around taking your food orders and limos picking you up at the airport and got your name on it and treating you like royalty and they pay you reasonably well and um so it does it does all go to your head and then people are like that guy you know how people talk about folks in hollywood they're like you should see what he eats i mean it's just crazy and i was vegetarian at the time and people would like talk about my diet and i'm like so wait a minute, you don't allow me to go feed myself because I can't leave the set. I can't go pick up my own food. And now you're going to take my order and then you're going to ridicule me for what I order because this is how I eat. Wow, this is interesting. So <laughs> they were yeah. accusing you of being a diva and right. requiring because all these fancy things. If okay. you have a special diet and you have to send someone else to go get your food because they won't let you go feed yourself, now you are a diva. Right. Now you're high Imagine maintenance. Imagine that. Oh, man. But also what I've noticed on the film sets is everybody wants to have a story about the star. Mm -hmm. So they want to be able to say, like, oh, he's terrible. You yeah, they're going to embellish like, it anyways. Yeah, <laughs> they just want to have a story that they're close to you. Exactly. So, yeah. 
so I gave a few stories, but um, yeah. television was <laughs> fun for me. Um, to be able to do what you do for a living and what you love to do, what's your hobby and what's your livelihood, and to be able to make good money for that and be recognized no matter where you go, what plane you jump off of, what train you walk off of, what car you get out of, that's pretty cool. These days, I'm the guy who walks around and people look at me and they're like, hey, I know you. You used to be on TV. (laughs) That's cool. That's what it's come to. (laughs) Now, do you feel bad? Like, was that a fall from some, you know, did you feel like, oh, shit, I don't know who I am now? Yeah, I went through that Did you lose yourself? Yeah. You do go through that period, like, when you hear that, yeah, you don't have a show anymore. Um, The thing is, is nobody in television gives you a contract and says, hey, we're going to make sure you make money and are popular for life. Like, nobody does that. And your bosses don't do that, no matter where you work, no matter what you do. So I was butthurt after my television shows went away and I couldn't work for anyone else because they owned me in exclusivity and blah, blah, blah. And eventually, you have to tie up your boots nice and tight and go out there and remember who the hell you are and go to work. So that's what I did. So I'm kind of over television at this point. I am not over landscaping and horticulture, and my television career served me very well because I haven't shot a show since the end of 2011 going into 2012, and we're now in 2020, and I still benefit from my television career. It still helps my landscaping career, and I really played myself on TV, as you know, Julianne. I mean, anyone who ever saw me on TV, it's like, same guy. That's yeah, you I don't think you could be fake. I just curse a little more in reality. <laughs> <laughs> and say things like and he talks about bowel movements. And I talk about bowel movements on a regular. Yeah. <laughs> everything else is the same. That's cool. Yeah, everything else is. Now, it's true. Now you go around and you tour and speak and you're kind of a spokesperson for different things too. I was I was digging around last night. Sure. Well, I I did a lot of spokesperson work for different brands within the green industry. If if you have products or a brand and it's something that I believe in and I can honestly get behind, then I'll do that, you know, for a fee, of course. (laughs) And um, I do speaking engagements around the country. I speak to the landscaping industry, the horticulture industry, um, small business owners, anyone who I can relate to. Um, Yeah, I talk to students who are interested in landscaping and horticulture. And I try and talk some sense into them. Like, go make some real money, you guys. Okay, you still love this work? Okay, here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> because this wow. is, you know, nobody gets into horticulture because they want to get rich. You know, you get into it because you love it and you're passionate about it. And then you have to figure out, how can I support my life and my family? Mm-hmm. Is it a niche market? Is it very competitive? It's not competitive if you figure out who you are and what makes you special. Because then you're what not. What makes really you special, Amen? Yeah. What makes me special is I'm extremely knowledgeable when it comes to plants, soil, irrigation, and I am a driver. You've heard of a slave driver. Well, I pay my people, but I drive them very yeah. hard. So um, I get things done. I'm really a manifester. I just happen to do all my manifestations outside in nature. That's yeah. cool. Hey, it really it is. So soil and okay. I wanted to ask. A couple expert questions. We had Uh-oh, some write-in. We, we had some write-in questions. I'm looking right now, real quick. Since you mentioned that, um, 
best way to get grubs out of vegetable soil. So I love gardening too, mm -hmm. and I'm doing school gardens and backyard gardens with little friends and things like that and doing little... Okay, by the way, hey, you're diminishing yourself right now. I'm My cat's even getting stirred up. I'm very upset. <laughs> Ahmed, she's a really... She just won, like, volunteer of the year over at the... She's transformed her daughter's school. She's, like... Good you're you. kind of a big wig oh, around the... Thank you. So don't downplay it, girl. Girl, And what I you know. have to do, Joelle, is you have to figure out who is your next predecessor. Who's... Who's going to come after you to do this? Because what happens with school gardens is people like you that are very dynamic come in and do all this stuff. And then your kids move on. And then they're like, oh, there went the garden. I know. <laughs> Luckily, we have a great team there at the school. So there's a big group awesome. of people uh, helping running it. There's a teacher behind it, which makes all the difference in the world. Shout out to yeah. Nancy. Yep. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's turning into a movement in our school district. So we're going to go to the board and try to get money to pay these people because it's all volunteer run right now at all the schools and it's such an important part it's science it's it's it nutrition is. it's livelihood and, and you especially know? i mean in, in urban areas if you don't keep your kids active outside and understanding nature i'm sorry you're screwing them up they're they, gonna just be you really are yeah, yeah. Gonna There's, be you know those are the things that i remember the most as a kid too is like seeing the butterfly turn in, you know, the cocoon. And those are the things that are important. Yeah, natural you know? processes. Yeah. And kids need to get grounded. They need to get their hands in the dirt, get away yeah, from literally. these electronics, literally. Yeah. 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 Kids so, need to pee outside, okay? They do. Like, I had my girls working on a job site yesterday. We were doing burn piles. They're like, Dad, I got to go pee. I'm like, I pulled out, like, here's a napkin. <laughs> go behind the barn. Figure it out. And, and my youngest, she, she no issue, right? And then she's like, what do I do with the paper? I'm like, we're burning piles. Why don't you throw it in the fire? <laughs> <laughs> or compost it, bury it. <laughs> right? And then my, my middle daughter was like, I feel so dirty when I pee outside. I'm like, that's interesting because every other animal pees outside, and I don't think they feel dirty. Right. I said, I actually like it. I love to not have to flush that. Like, why am I flushing water behind my urine? It's true. I know. I know. Pee on a plant, fertilize it. But let's okay. get back to the white grubs. Yes, in grubs. I know. Okay, so white grubs are a challenge for any garden because they eat the roots of your plants and then they undermine your plants and then your plants just fall over and die. Um, they don't typically kill the plants, but they make the plants so weak. And then what happens is the grubs natural predator are raccoons predominantly. Mm -hmm. So raccoons can actually hear the grubs underneath grass or plants and they'll hear them munching on the roots, and then the raccoons will dig up the plants. Yeah. Screw the plants. They're like, we want the grubs. Yeah. So then they're going to eat the grubs. So what you can do is you can practice your IPM, your integrated pest management, and you can dig up the grubs, pluck them out of the soil, eat them yourself. <laughs> Gross. That's one choice. Or you can pluck them out of the soil, and you can kill them to get rid of them. But I don't know a and a natural organic means of getting rid of white grubs, I do know that there's a chemical called imidacloprin. If you look up the control of white grubs, if you use the word control, the control of white grubs, you'll learn everything you need to know about controlling or getting rid of white grubs, but you have okay. to look for the control of. And there's a chemical called imidacloprin that you'll have to use. And imidacloprin is not organic, it is a chemical, and it works and it kills the larvae of the white grubs. And then the adult grubs will die off okay. because they only live for a short period of time and then they just die. 
Okay. So you have to kill the larvae so you don't have all these babies. And you could kill them with the chemical early on, and then you can manage organically after that and keep a healthy soil system. But I don't know to start off, how do you get rid of grubs naturally other than literally dig them up, cultivate the soil, and always go on a grub hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately. It could be fun for the kids. It is fun. And they can do the grub hunt. And when you're digging up all the soil, you're cultivating the soil, you're turning it over, you're stirring in all those nutrients and everything. So it's a good thing, and your plants will grow really fast. We, in the school, when we find them, we throw them in the compost because they're good uh, decomposers. Decomposers, they, yeah. They eat the stuff up. So And the kids love watching them move, and they – they kind of roll around on their back, you know, with their little feet up. And they're oh, crazy, yeah. crazy looking. So we have races like with them. Are, you guys are kind of making it work. The issue is the purpose of your compost pile is to take that compost and to put it back into the garden. Right. So when you sift through your compost to put it back into the garden, you have to sift and make sure the grubs get tossed back to the pile and don't exactly. go back to your soil. But how do you know you're not taking the larvae and you're just putting more grubs into your soil? I know. The little teeny ones that sneak through the cracks. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We pick them out. But right. Yeah. Good. So it's, okay. It's a challenge. Um, with organic gardening, you don't worry about it. Organic gardening deals with you just leave it and you work around it. Like you control what you can. You mechanically remove what you can. Um, and you just keep on gardening. And if anything, you keep the raccoons out because the grubs aren't killing the plants. They're just feeding off the plants in the same way that you do. It doesn't mm -hmm. benefit them to decimate the plant because then they have nothing to eat. Right. So they right. just want to feed off of it in the same way that you do. We, down here in San Diego, we get crows that dig up the grubs too. There you so go. So the crows will also peck at the lawns and you'll see them all torn up from that. But you know how to get rid of the crows doing that, right? A BB gun? <laughs> Bird kidding. netting. Oh, okay. Yeah, thin inexpensive bird netting and you just traipse it over your stuff you lift it up you do your gardening you put the bird netting back birds don't want anything to do with netting they don't netting. have opposing thumbs and it tangles them all up yeah there we go all right well good that was a, an Hopefully expert answer i like next it question. Wow. next question next. i know all right um let's see easiest ways to plant some succulents in the backyard people are oh. all about succulents Water-wise, planting, yeah. what do you have to say about that? Succulents are a, a fascinating category of plants because literally a succulent is equivalent to like taking a segment of my pinky, not even the whole pinky, but just the segment right there where the knuckle is and just plucking it off, sticking it in the soil and growing a whole new Ahmed from just the <laughs> pinky. So that's what you get to do with succulents. Um, if you want to do that, it's nice to pluck off a piece of the succulent and leave it sitting so that it can callus and dry so that it's not a wet, open wound. Once it calluses and dries, then you put it in the soil and then it will establish its roots and grow from there. And all succulents do that and they're extremely easy to grow. And if you screw up with a succulent and like it's got too much water or it's drying out or it's freezing or whatever, if you can just get one good piece and start that whole plant all over again. So, you guys hear the little biplane? Not too over much. Over here in, no. in Cameron Park where I live, I'm right up above the air park, so okay. I forgot all the little planes come in. It's so I guess good. it's that time. Okay. But, um, so succulents are really easy to grow. You just want to cut off pieces, let them dry out. You can let them dry out for three days, five days, two weeks, like whatever it is. Keep them out of direct sun so they don't just burn. 
but let them dry and then you can establish them all over again and you can grow succulents forever just yeah. little tiny pieces and it just has to be well-draining soil, kind of dry type soil too, isn't that? It needs to be well-draining soil. You don't have to have succulent mix. You can just put them in regular potting soil. You're just going to water them a little bit less than you'll water your other exotics or perennials. So how much is that? What would you say? Like how much water? Yeah. How much, how much water do you give your son per week? I mean, every day. <laughs> but how much? My, my son? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> so the way you water plants is you give them as much water as they need. It's oh, like you give okay. your son as much water as he needs. The way you know when to water plants is you saturate a plant. So you take the soil profile of that plant and you completely saturate it. So it's like dripping. And then you leave it alone until the plant wilts. And then you saturate it again. Okay. It's the same way you water your house plants. You water your house plants off of when they wilt. It, they might wilt in seven days. If you have the heater on, they might wilt in five days. If it's cooler, they might wilt in 10 days or 12 days. So if you see your son starting to wilt, yeah. then you give <laughs> him more water. water. Yeah, there you but, go. <laughs> but you saturate him. Okay. No, saturate him. I will. I like what it. We do is, um, what, what I have to do in a lot of landscapes is we just kind of keep them moist all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's not really the healthiest way to grow plants. So ideally, you saturate, you allow them to go fully dry. And then you saturate again. You Got take it. it to the brink. Okay. Hey, Ahmed, will you shift your background a little? Because it's so blown out. I want to get it to a place where it's a little more. We are on the move again. <laughs> on the move. Here we go. We're getting the tour. I have a I have a big boulder. That works. And okay. I have a Japanese maple behind me. Oh, that's pretty. Let's see. There you go. I want to know too, Ahmed, going back to the TV, I know we're bouncing around a little bit. Yeah. But did you ever have clients on the show that were unhappy with the final product? Did you ever uh, have to deal with any drama? Yeah, I gave them a complaint line. Oh. <laughs> you know, I get that question all the time. Yeah. Um, what do people do when they don't like it or aren't happy or something happens down the road? Like, I never had anyone who I did a yard for who was unhappy with their yard. Nice. Because I work for people day in and day out to create spaces for them. And my job is to profile them. And I profile people very well so that I can figure out what is it that you love or that you need in order for you to identify with this space and love it. And then my job is just to deliver that. And so that had nothing to do with being a host. That had everything to do with being in service work all my life and understanding people and outdoor spaces. And if it was a married couple, I had to make sure that I did something that was really pleasing to him and something that was really pleasing to her or something that was really pleasing to both she, if they were married. <laughs> so that's what I always had to do. So I never had anyone who was unhappy with what I did. Um, there were plenty of folks who couldn't take care of the spaces that we created for them. And that was primarily due to the fact that we were doing a TV show. And if your yard was toe up when we got there, your yard is probably toe up now because you don't know how to maintain it. Mm -hmm. Very few people um, kept their homes. A lot of them sold their homes afterwards because, hey, we increased the value so much. And they're like, hey, we could sell this place and make some money now. Mm -hmm. um, but a few of them actually really took care of their spaces and really appreciated it. And a lot of the other ones, they would go all different directions. 
once yeah. we were done. Wow. So you did follow-up. I did a little bit of follow-up on my own. Mm -hmm. And some of those folks, I never really stayed connected with any, with many of them. A couple people I did, and I ended up doing further work for them, and we would improve other spaces around their homes. But I took it very personal because I just take relationships with people personally. Whether it's a TV show or not. Yeah. I mean, unless I just totally wasn't digging them. I'm like, cool, we're done. We're out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How was um, budget decided? Was that a show thing that gave you so much money to work with? or Budget was something ever... that evolved. Oh, like okay. When we first started, we didn't really have a budget. We had like $1,000 a show. And the first couple shows we did were extremely weak. And then we got to like 1500 per show. And we got to like 3000 per show. Then we were putting in $50,000 yards. And I basically strong-armed the network and I was like if we don't get ten thousand dollars more per yard to deliver on your shows at the level that we're currently doing it I'm done I'm mm. out because I was like arguing with producers because we would design the yards and give it to the producer and say here's what we're going to do and they're like we can't get all that we can't afford it can you redesign it I'm like no I'm not going to redesign the yard your job is to go do your little Hollywood thing and make sure we have the money yeah so it 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 evolved over a period of time by the time I left we had approximately $15,000 per yard. And with $15,000 and trades in marketing and advertising, we were doing $80,000, $90,000 yards. Wow. wow. It was, it was fabulous. Yeah. Wow. And everybody was making money off that show for a while. It was doing great. Absolutely. And then, there was yeah. every crasher show available. And all they were yes. told was, watch Ahmed do what he does, but do it in your way. Wow. So you created the the niche market pretty we much. I know it. that. A, yeah. I know that. We I, created it. It was it was a small yeah. production company and myself, and a couple key producers, and the executive producer, and we literally fabricated that show out of nothing, and turned it into something huge. And it was a big brand, and I think it's all done now because there are no more crasher shows being shot. But, it was but there fun. were like bathroom crashers, yeah. house crashers. I, I mean, room crashers, it, house crashers, <laughs> kitchen crashers, bathroom crashers, your mama daddy crashers, side yard <laughs> crashers. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of went and went. Oh my God. So I could see it would, I just love that you're, thank you for being honest about your ego getting big. I think I, it would be hard not to have a big ego. Absolutely. That you kind of, and then to come back to earth and say, I need to take care of my kids. Yeah, my come back to work and you're like, I'm yeah. broke. You hired me. <laughs> Yeah, because there's a lot of people who get the fame and then they they can't let go of the fact that they had it and now they're they have to make life work. So you did it very well. Will will humble you out. Yeah, you know, it was fun while it lasted. And then your job, all of our jobs, all of us former hosts, our jobs are to like, pick ourselves up, remember who we were, as big as we were or as small as we were, and to turn that into something to turn that into something legitimate. And all of us are doing that. And did they not renew you as the host? They got a new host just because it was a executive decision to mix it up? They got a new host because Ahmed was a pain in the ass. And Ahmed (laughs) got more money every season. And television, especially reality TV, loves to get new booty in there that'll work for a little bit less. Somebody who's going to be excited and wowed about television and will work for less money. Got it. So... They just have to shift things around, yeah. keep it affordable for the networks. Makes sense. 
I guess, sadly, but stupid. Yeah, they, they lost a good thing. There was even a petition to get you back, I saw. There was. There was all sorts of stuff. But ultimately, yeah. it ran its course, and then it's on to something new. Right. But also, I remember that time, and you were you were kind of like, hey, I sort of created the show. Like, you should be paying me a little bit more. Because they right. were trying to lowball you, too. Right. So, and they're like. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, now yeah. we're here. Exactly. And and you're doing it, and you're fine, and everything's you're keeping everything afloat. Yeah. I'm running my business. I'm living my life. I'm not. I'm still living my own dreams, you know, and I'm making my own dreams come true. I mean, okay. for me to be able to get up in my own house and turn the heater on, and like it actually comes on, and get in my hot tub and walk around and play with my plants, and then oh yeah time to get dressed and get out of here so you can get to work and go make some more money. I mean, it's a pretty cool life. Yeah. And you um, have your son is still working for you. Is Julian? Julian They're is like, 21 you're years old. You're employing a lot of your family. I have always employed my family until my family <laughs> proves that they should not be employed. <laughs> um, yeah, my son Julian works for me. He's 21. My daughter's um, Faith is about to turn 18 next month and Camille's 15. They do not want to work for me, but dad pays them well. So they work for me when they absolutely have to, like Faith is working for me during this quarantine because she can't work at the uh, community service district being a swim coordinator because they're not swimming. They're not even open. So um, I've employed my uncle, my aunts. I've employed my mom, my brothers, my cousins, my nephews. Like I just put people to work. That's great. You need to make some money? Good. I need some help. Let's go to work. Yeah. So that's what we do. That's wonderful. Do we have more questions, Joe? I feel like we had a bunch. Um, let's see. One more official question. I know you got to go, Ahmed, but um, what grows under eucalyptus? In, in my case, ah, under pepper tree. Mulch. I have mulch, mulch grows under eucalyptus. Mulch. Yeah, I know it's so hard. But eucalyptus and redwoods and oaks are very popular, very large trees, very hard to grow anything under them. Yeah. Those trees don't want anything growing under them because if they grow under it. It's taking water and nutrients from it. Right. Just like you don't want some leech hanging on you, growing under your neck all the time, stealing your food. I have three of them. Sip. Their names are Elliot, right? Toby, and Charlotte. Just kidding. <laughs> it happens. But um, so those three trees in particular, nothing really wants to grow under them except when they're young. But as they start to get large and they create a canopy, they will drop enough leaf matter, duff, debris, and mulch, and they will kill those little plants under them. So good luck under eucalyptus, redwoods, and oaks. If you want to grow under them, put it in containers because then it's in its own vessel. It's in its own soil. It's getting its own water. Okay. And you'll have some luck. All right. Cool. All right. That's good to know. Um, Anything else, Weens? Do you have any questions? You've got your garden that... I just want to know when you're coming by los angeles again so you can i want to know when backyard. you're coming back to cameron park julianne yeah oh man i got room i got me. a 2800 square foot house come on bring okay. your man friend your girlfriend your dog your cat <laughs> don't bring your cat. okay <laughs> i'm coming no, i won't be back yeah. i'm coming Aww. okay i'll come visit yeah i want to come too <laughs> that's what i know come on. there's, there's room me. for all you guys yay i love it and I don't wow. have grubs at my house. <laughs> yeah, good. See, no you did this. I'm just so proud of you, the way that your life turned out, because you really did it in a way that you planned ahead. I thought you were so mature for back then. I was just like this crazy, wily, 
just gypsy, end up wherever person, and you were planning and saving and getting married and having You know kids. what it was, Julianne? Remember, like hmm. I said, when we met each other, I was a pot-smoking kid, and then I got in trouble, and then I got clean and sober for 23 years, and I got very serious about my life. Good for you. I didn't like the way that my life was going. Yeah. So I started changing things. Then I went through the death of my dad, and I was like, yeah, you got to fix it. You got to get this life together. So that's what it really was for me. I, I was probably your earliest friend who you knew that was like going to Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous meetings back in the day. Yeah. And get so, your shit together. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing, but it you took stuck a long with time. it. You didn't. It took a long time. I wanted a yeah. life. And so I got to yeah. have a life. And you were very different than, I mean, you were the first person that kind of got your shit together for real in your family, right? Well, I think, yeah, in my family, I, I sort of got it together a little sooner than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. you stop keeping score at some point and you just hope that everybody can keep their shit together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, and I'm sorry, the most I guess part are there. So that's a good yeah. thing. That's great. Oh, well, I, I was always inspired by you. And you've well, done Well, come see so me well soon. We'll okay. set it up. And so you can finally meet my sweetheart, April. Yay. And come on down and hang out for a weekend. Okay. Because it's easier for you than it is for me. Okay. Because I got, you know, $10,000 of plants to take care of all the time. I know. (laughs) Talk about a burden. Yeah. Lots of babies. Well, thank you, Ahmed. Where can people find you um, if they want to follow you, follow your progress? um, AhmedHafsan.tv is my website. And if you look me up on social media, just look up Ahmed Hassan or Ahmed Hassan Landscaper, and it'll all pop up. And I think my cousin Sita, who does all my marketing and advertising, she's going to send you all of my links and profiles and all that good stuff. Yes, they will be in our show notes. So everybody can go to www.mouseandweens.com and you can check out all of our our transcript and our notes and all the good links. So, yeah, it'll be great. Next time I talk with you ladies, we're going to talk and focus more on bowel movements. Oh, yes. yay. Let's get into more stories. If I get my new show on this, this would be great. I'm just thinking, like, it's probably going to be three episodes. Yeah. Good. Part one. And more stories about weens back in the day. I want to hear some of the the stuff she got into. Okay. No. 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 Don't go there. I don't want to go there either. All right. Thank you, Amen. Hey, love, love you both. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. I love all my friends. I thank you, my friends. I know that you'll be there in the end. I know you'll always be true. And I'll always be there for you. Love all my friends. I thank you, my friends. I'll be there for you in the end. Please know that you are loved. Right now, I'm sending a hug. know your name it feels so good friends if you're feeling without won't leave your house they're in your neighborhood friends come on today when you feel okay they needed you too Wonderful gift 
other and lift Make each other stay Friends, there is nothing the same When they know your name It feels so good 